All right, what's up everybody? Pete Kennedy here of Subway Sports Talk. Just wanted to come at you guys real quick to let you know that I am sorry. I made a mistake recording this podcast tonight. I did not select my microphone. Normally it automatically selects and it did not for whatever reason this time. So my mic quality is not up to my normal standard. Uh, it upsets me probably more than you or maybe not because you're going to hopefully listen to it. Anyway, it's still manageable audio quality. Don't worry, it's not too bad. But I do want to give you guys the fair warning that when you hear the rest of this episode from me outside of our ad reads, uh, it's not my normal crispiness and not the mic that I normally use. It for some reason just didn't select, but it's all good. We got great content here for you. Me and Pat Boyle on here in a second talking all things football, week three recap, week four preview, a whole bunch of stuff, gambling leans, the whole nine. It was a great episode, so stay tuned. I apologize about the audio quality, but it's manageable. It's not, I've had worse, right? So I've had worse. It's not what I normally like to have, but we'll be back and I'll make sure to select the right microphone moving forward. So thanks for listening as always, and uh, we'll talk to you. Hit us up at Subway Sports Talk. Hit me up at Pete Kennedy with two Ys. And for now, just enjoy the episode. Sit back, relax, and talk some football with us. Cheers. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, Apple Spotify, and now on YouTube. Joining me as he does all football season long and elsewhere, uh, elsewhere throughout the year, Pat Boyle. I almost wanted to call you Patrick there for a second. Patrick Boyle, how are you today, my friend? I'm good, Peter. Well, you go with the long first name. You go with your full first birth certificate name. So, mm. I guess you wanted to spread the love onto me, but. Uh, Pete, we're three weeks in, and if you bet every underdog and if you bet every under, you're a rich man right now. So what does that tell you right now about the NFL? That we're all idiots. We don't. We know nothing. <laughs> I'm currently watching Game of Thrones for the first time, and already two Game of Thrones things popped into my head. When you said Peter, I thought of Peter Baelish, Mr. Littlefinger, and oh, also yeah. I just wanted to say, you know nothing, Jon Snow. And well, wait that, a minute. Are you watching... Are. You're watching Game of Thrones for the first time, or the House for, of Dragons? No, I'm watching the Game of Thrones. Like Game of Thrones, OG, first time. I'm a first timer out here. Wow, where yeah. were you the last like seven years? So, it's a very weird thing that happens in my brain where like I was very confident that I would like it, you know, but I was a little bit late to get going, so I kind of missed like that early rush of catching up for the season that was going on, whatever. Uh, and I knew I would like it. And my sleep schedule is pretty bad already, you know? So when I add something like that, that I knew I would like, my sleep schedule is just a nightmare, you know? So I pushed it off for a while. And then finally with House of the Dragon coming around and I was like, you know what? I got to just do this. So here I am, I'm mid, mid season five currently, we're making moves and, uh, you know, I'm hoping to catch up to House of Dragon basically by the time it ends this first season, you know, I'll probably be around then, give or take. Well, I'll tell you this: Game of Thrones only goes downhill from where you're at. So, oh, I've heard, and you know what? I think I have the benefit of knowing that. You know, some stuff, some stuff I knew happened just from being a human and being on the internet and hearing people talk. Like I know even a couple things that are going to happen that haven't happened yet where I'm at in season five, and the fact that I know it's going downhill, 
I think will help me have low expectations and possibly enjoy it better. It's kind of like going in uh, to a Giants Cowboys game on a Monday night, not expecting any touchdowns. Cause then you're, then when you get two touchdowns for the whole game, you're like, wow, what a great show we just watched. Right. So it's kind of like that concept. Every time I tell people, Oh, I'm watching it for the first time. I either get, Oh my God, like it's so great. Like you're going to just love it. Just enjoy it. Yada, yada. Or it's like, Oh, well, it gets really shitty in the fifth, sixth, and seventh season. Like, I know. I know. I lived through it. I heard everyone complain. I don't want to hear it again. Listen, it is what it is. All right. Maybe I'll just go fuck myself then. Yeah, no, it's not directed at you. That sounded like it was directed at you, and maybe maybe it should have been, but it well, wasn't. I'm probably like the, the 30th person to tell you that, so I get it. Yes, yes. And you, you're in a tough spot here, you know, and I'm, I'm now projecting on you. And really, um, my friend Alec Argento, who's a frequent guest on this podcast, he said it with the most snark, and I still hold it. I still have a little little piece in my heart that's mad at him because he was like, oh, well, it gets shitty in 7-7. Seven, seven. And I'm like, I don't care, bro. I'm enjoying it. Let me have it. All you right? can project on me all you want. That's fine. <laughs> well, we're going to try to project on some other things uh, with the NFL. So let me tell you the plan here for a second. We're going to recap our picks as we do every week. Nice week for the boys. Mark Shen Lugan and yours truly, Pete Kennedy, with winning weeks. Pat with two and three. We'll go through the picks in a moment. After that, we will play a little game where we talk about teams that save their seasons and then teams that need saving, right? Some of the teams that in week three had that performance that might have flipped the script for them and some teams that looking forward have some big holes they need to figure out. And lastly, we'll preview week four. Week four already. Can you believe it? <laughs> and we're back every week now we're gonna say that we're gonna we're gonna queue up francesa we should you should honestly get that as a drop i could probably find it somewhere fun, i know if, if you go through the fun house twitter he has all of his francesa stuff archived and he tweets it. that i think every year at some point in the season uh, I, got, I gotta get that. That'll be that'll be a good add to the button the button machine over here. Let's first, before we truly get into all the NFL talk, talk about our friends over at Raycon Wireless Earbuds. They got the earbuds for you. I also got something for me. I ordered the everyday headphones, the over the ear ones, because you know what? Sometimes you gotta lock into that extra special sound over the head noise canceling the whole nine and they're on the way i cannot wait to get my hands on the raycon everyday headphones i've been listening to tons of music tons of podcasts it's football season people i'm listening to podcasts left and right and nothing better than when i'm locked in with my headphones and these raycons everyday earbuds look feel and sound better than ever they have the optimized gel tips for you to find that perfect in-ear fit. Everyone's always talking, oh, earbuds don't fit my ears. Oh, they fall out all the time. Not with these. They have a multitude of options. They won't budge. Trust me. Plus, they give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life with that little carrying case they give you. Raycons are also priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 50000 five-star reviews. That's a lot of reviews. What are they saying? What are they saying in those reviews? They're talking about all the functionality of these earbuds, how easy they're used with the earbud tap functions to pick up calls, to skip songs, to pause, to do what you have to do. Also to switch from ambient to noise isolation. You need that in life. You need to be able to switch over to that mode where you're walking outside and you got to hear some stuff around you or when you're locked in, tapping in, to get those last picks in for gambling, listening to Subway Sports Talks picks, right? That's why I'm doing my earbuds. That's what you can do too. So go to buyraycon.com today and use code TBPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TBPN15 at buyraycon.com. 
to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TBPN15. Pat, let's let's get into it. And uh, as we normally do, I will do the little recap for our boy Mark Shenlugan here, who in his eyes, and he's not here to defend himself, so I only kind of feel bad saying this. In his eyes, he should be 15-0. and 0. You know, like he should be 15-0. and 0. He hasn't made a bad pick the entire year. <laughs> uh, yet he is sitting currently at 6-9. and nine. So it's not a bad record. It's a totable, totally manageable record. He just came off three and two. And to, to put words in his mouth why he's not here to defend himself again, I could have sworn he said on the podcast last week, this is the perfect uh, fixed spot. This has got to be a fixed spot. This is a trap spot with the Chiefs money line. However, he still put the Chiefs money line in a money line parlay. Chiefs money line, Bengals money line, one leg hit. Chiefs did not. That's a miss. However, he did go Jamar Chase anytime touchdown. That hit at plus 110. That's a nice little pull for him on the player prop. Vikings plus three and a half and Rams money line. Boy, did the Vikings make that interesting. Uh, I don't know how the hell they won that. I had some side action on them, of course, even though they weren't one of my picks. And the Rams took care of business for the most part. At the same token as the Chiefs, the Bills money line and the Buccaneers plus seven and a half. He hit on the Buccaneers, not on the Bills. Lastly, the NFC spe- NFC East special, I should say. Eagles money line, Cowboys plus seven and a half. That was a hit. So three and two, you know, a money line for the Bills and a money line for the Chiefs away from a five and oh. I know I was giving Mark some some crap before about him saying he should have won every pick and Shen Lugan versus kickers going on for the first three weeks of the season. But Pat, when you look at Mark's pick here or picks here, you know, those two losses with the Bills and Chiefs, you chalked it up to NFL is any given Sunday league, or do you think there was some sort of mishap with, you know, trusting the favorites too much? No, I think they were pretty good bets, honestly. And I think Mark Shenlugian versus the kickers of the NFL is a legitimate, uh, he's got a legitimate case to win a lawsuit there. Um, I mean, you just look at the way that McDermott and Andy Reid coached those games, managed those games down the stretch. It was very poorly done. I mean, it was very poorly done to say the least, you know, Buffalo. And, and again, you know, can you blame Andy Reid for not trusting Matt Amendola after he blows an extra point and then blows a chip shot field goal? Not necessarily, but you know, they had a one, they had one case where they had, uh, it would have been like another 40 yard field goal before he missed the chip shot one. And they line up Townsend as the kicker and they go fake, fake field goal and they try to go for it. What would have been a 33 yarder? Um, no, excuse me. He missed the 33 yarder. The previous drive was, would have been a 41 yarder and they had Townsend go fake field goal and it blew up in their face. I mean, if they just took the easy points and again, I know Amendola missed an extra point. He then ended up blowing that chip shot field goal. The next drive, if they kicked the 41 yarder, would he have missed that too? Who knows? But the fact that they had so many points that they left on the table uh, and then the same thing with the bills, so many opportunities to win that game. Bass misses a chip shot field goal, but you know, a couple of the times when they went for it instead of taking the points, you know, you trust your defense, it would have ended up working out. So, yeah, Mark's got a legitimate gripe there. So do I with the Chiefs money line. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's any given Sunday, man. You let it, you let the underdog hang around long enough, and any you leave the door open long enough for any team, they're going to burn you. Yeah, and and that's really what it is, right? And if you think about that Bills game and the Chiefs game for that matter, it's the type of thing that looking forward if those teams played again with the, which the bills and dolphins will the bills will be favorite and they should be favorite they probably should have won that game i mean they ran 90 plays on offense it's ridiculous they had a chance at the very end to make it happen they just didn't they just didn't finish the deal they were down in miami in that heat like 
listen, it happens. You know, that happens in Miami every year to somebody. So Mark has a gripe as much as I wanted to make fun of him for saying he should have won every bet. And the kickers, man, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with these kickers because if he loses another bet with on a kicker, I think we might have taken right over to his house, Pat, make sure he's okay. Well, dude, I mean, the Bills game too, you know, you mentioned they ran 90 plays. Dolphins ran 39. They gained them 497 yards to 212. More than double the amount of first downs. More almost triple the amount of, of yards on the ground. I mean, dude, and the fact that they lost that game is a travesty. A absolute travesty. And then I don't know if you saw one of the viral videos, one of the scumbag Dolphins fan parading through the Hard Rock Stadium after going up to every single Bills fan saying, enjoy that ride home and cursing at him. Dude, oh, my God. I never wanted to punch somebody on the Internet more in my life than that. But, yeah, it's uh, it, it goes to every single week. There's games that inevitably come down to literally the final play, the final play or two. Against all odds, it always happens. Yeah, facts. Why, why don't you go through some of your your picks there, Pat? Yeah, I mean, the same thing. Chiefs money line, Bengals money line. Me and Mark had the same exact pick, and you knew right there. It was like when everybody picks the same team on Sunday night football, go the other way. Uh, me and Mark both had Chiefs and Bengals, and the the line kept moving in the in the, in the Colts' favor. We all saying, how is this possible? We knew Colts were going to be in desperation mode, but I said they have way too many problems. And sure enough, the Chiefs just left so many opportunities slip through their hands. So there was that. I'm so pissed at myself that I didn't just take the Ravens straight up minus three like you did. Um, and even then, like, you know, I said there's no way that the Patriots score at most 27 points. They score 26, but then the Ravens blew them out, which I was like, you know, I'm confident the Ravens win anyway. So that's one where I took them plus three and a half in the under, and I got burned on the total rather than just uh, taking them, you know, with the points. Lions plus ten and a half and Rams plus three and a half. I love that bet. That uh, Lions should have won that game. You know, luckily for you, with your side action, the Vikings came back and pulled it out. But I was, I love that bet. And then I love the Packers plus seven and a half and under 47 and a half. So for the most part, I feel like I should have been four and one. One, the one pick I did have, which was totally wrong, was back in Carson Wentz. Um, you know, that was just a terrible, terrible game played by them. I think when they play Philly again in Philadelphia, they're going to give you a much, be- a much better battle. But that spread. You know, even if I took the spread straight up too, they would have got hammered. I mean, that was just a terrible, terrible performance in them. They couldn't get anything going. And even then, Philly, like, Philly let them hang around. And the first couple of drives, it was just three and out, three and out, three and out. Then they fumbled. And even then, they had a chance to come back down 24 nothing. They could have gotten on the board before they turned it over on downs. Then they get a safety. Then they drive all the way down the field again and turn it over on downs. So it was just a debacle for them, just a terrible game. I'm still not sold. I'm sold on Philly winning the NFC East. I'm still not sold on them being a Super Bowl favorite. I still think, you know, they're just really off to a hot start right now. But for the time being, that was just a terrible pick. Commanders plus 11 and a half in the over. Yeah, sometimes you're on the wrong side. You know, sometimes you're just not making the right choice. Maybe you try to fade the public a little bit. You try to fade the hot team just to, to be a little bit different. You have, you have to do that to keep yourself honest, to keep the league honest, to keep the public honest. So, like, you can't beat yourself up over that one on the chiefs uh, money line. You already explained it. The Ravens uh, plus three and a half and under 51 and a half teaser is where I want to like discuss a little, a little bit here, Pat, and we'll flesh this out a little bit. We talked before the pod was saying, let's think about the process here. Cause you're considering something that we've kind of been saying not to do in the sense of we've been saying, trust the process. 
to find what you like to do and keep doing it, try to find those similar spots and et cetera. But you are considering to maybe not go away full time from the same game teaser, but to steer away a little bit. So let me hear your thought process on, you know, what's frustrating you with that setup and what, you know, where it's come from. Yeah, I think it's when I'm as confident as I was in a team like Baltimore, don't even mess around with the total. Don't even mess around because how many, you know, like we said, unders and the underdogs have crushed it so far. And, and, and the, the couple of picks I lost, you got an under that doesn't hit and you had an underdog at home, a six and a half point underdog that doesn't cover. So, you know, I was going with the trends to start the season. It didn't work out. Um, but yeah, no more. So just like when I'm confident that a team is going to win, especially in a small spread like that, like three, like how many times? And I, there was a, there was a lot of games that I guess end in a two point game or a one point game, but for the most part, you get a team at minus two and a half or minus three. If you think they're going to win, just take the spread, right? There's no point. Like, there's no way that you're, I think ever going to logically convince yourself like, Hmm, this team's plus two and a half. I don't think they win, but yeah, I could see them losing by one or two. Like, it's just there's no point in doing that. So why why do the opposite with the Ravens? Um, and, you know, again, any given Sunday you can have – it's not even just about the offense. It's about if there's turnovers. Like there was six turnovers in that game. That gives teams short fields to start with. That's how you get an over in a game where, you know, you have an offense like New England that isn't that, isn't that good. Uh, but if you get good special teams returns, turnovers – um, just short fields to begin with. That's how you hit overs when they shouldn't hit. So, yeah, I think going forward, if I'm as confident in a side and a team that's going to win, uh, like I was with Baltimore, I'm not even going to mess around with the total. I'm just going to take them with the points. It makes sense to me. Uh, and that's kind of where I came to on this slate this week, right? There were so many six-point spreads. And, you know, doing the six-point spread down to money line, like doing the money line parlay thing or – or um you know, getting that teaser down to a money line, then you have to now pick an over under, even if you don't feel particularly confident in it, you talk yourself into something, but you feel, you felt good about the side in the first place. Why not just go for it? And that's kind of what I did. And I've talked about this in the past too. And I think I'm Matt asked Arthur the Caesar when you and I did a little interview with him last year, you know, about teasing through zero. And that's something else too, right? Like you were 100% right. That if the Ravens were going to lose that game, it was going to be by less than three. You were 100% right but the value that you got wasn't equal to how right you were, you know, like the, the, the Patriots only were going to win by three if they did somehow figure out a way, but it just didn't make the difference in, in your pick there. And that doesn't mean to, for my opinion, at least, I don't know what you're planning on doing. I don't think you should stay away from them forever. I think you just need to say, Oh, I like this total already. I like this side already. Instead of saying, Oh, I like this side. Let me find a total that works too. You know? So I don't know. I, I'd like to see where you're going. And just like Mark had some gripes, you had some serious gripes here too. Like you easily could have been uh, three and two, four and one this week. We could have said that about weeks in the past as well. So we're knocking at the door. Um, and I have, I, I got to four and one this week. And I, I feel like in part it was because I kept it simple. You know, I didn't go for uh, a bunch of teasers and stuff like that. The only teaser I did, I actually felt really good about. And honestly, I probably would have went straight on both of those teams as well. So I kind of copped out by going Panthers plus eight and a half and Cowboys plus eight, um, but it happened to work in this case. So I don't know. I, teasers are still going to be very much a part of your bets, I'm sure of it, and my bets as well. Uh, but I guess it's just picking those spots and not forcing yourself to get a total if it's not something that you loved in the first place, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I've been looking at the the slate for, for week four. I think there's a lot of good spreads to attack. So, 
you know, I think this is coupled with the fact that I've burned myself by, you know, not going with my gut and not going with a side and, and trying to get that insurance with the total. Um, coupled with the fact that there's a lot of spreads, a lot of tight spreads, a lot of twos, a lot of threes, a lot of three and a halfs that I like. Um, you might see your, I think you're going to see a change in approach here. Good. And, and you know, that, that's okay. That's good because then, but then when you change, you can't change back, right? Like you got to almost pick your side. And it's weird because we're criticizing the Ravens pick, but we're not giving credit to the Packers and the under, which also was a smash hit. But however, the Packers won straight up. Actually, did they cover the regular spread? Yeah, they did. Right? Yeah, they won. yeah, they were yeah, plus, so- there were two point underdogs and they won by two. So they covered their regular spread and the regular under hit. So you were right 100%, but perhaps not necessary. So that's interesting. So I went Raiders minus two. Ironically, the only pick that I posted of myself, the whole video, is the one that I got wrong. I I saw some friends tonight. They were like, Raiders minus two, man. I'm like, yeah, but all the other ones were right. You know, so it's funny how that works out. So I was uh, 0-1 to start with the Raiders, but thankfully hit on the Ravens minus three, Falcons uh, made it a little ugly, but one on the pick them at the Seahawks, which I felt pretty good about the Panthers plus eight and a half Cowboys plus eight. You know, I, um, I actually tried to middle on Monday night, not going to lie. A little bit of my giants fan came out. I already had a good Sunday. I said, screw it. Let's go uh, giants money line and keep my Cowboys plus eight. Maybe I'll middle it. Uh, so that kind of ended up being a wash in real life, but you know, it, it still was a winning week for me and Jaguars plus three and a half. I got the bad number there, Pat. I got the worst number. Because Herbert was announced to play, line shot up to six and a half. I was texting you guys, and I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm still hitting this. I tweeted it out, too. Why was Herbert playing late in that game? We're going to get into the Chargers for sure. But quickly, it was mind-boggling to me he was playing at the end of that game. I thought the Jagu- Jaguars would keep it close. For as great as Herbert is, they don't seem to blow people out very often. So I love getting it at six and a half. I even liked it at three and a half. I actually won that bet twice because I doubled down. So that was uh that was a nice little week there. So there's the picks recap. Pat, any last words on the pick recap before we move on? Yeah, just really quick, what you mentioned with Herbert, and we'll, we'll talk about this game more in depth, but, you know, in the press conference, they asked him, like, why were you still playing? He goes, I just didn't want to quit on this team. And you got to appreciate that. You got to love the got heart it. and the hustle. But Brandon Staley's got to be smarter, man. I mean, he keeps building a reputation for himself as a guy that just isn't a smart head coach. And that was the reason why I doubted them in the beginning of the year, and it's – and uh, things like this, you know, playing your quarterback when you're already down by three scores in the, for most of the uh, – two scores for most of the second half, three scores for most of the fourth quarter, there was no need for him to be in that game. Yeah, it's really interesting. We're going to get into a bunch of teams that kind of save themselves a little bit here and then some teams that need savings. The Chargers might come up. But I was uh, listening to Damian Woody talk about um, coaches and the different coaches he has. Obviously, he's played for Belichick. He's played on some weird positions uh, in Detroit with not some great coaching situations. Played for Rex Ryan in his first year as a coach. Different situation because he's like a football lifer or whatever. But he was talking about it, um, the difference between a veteran coach, especially one like Bill Belichick versus a young guy. And the main thing he was saying is just it's management. It's not even about coaching. And I don't think anybody questions the X's and O's of Brandon Staley. That's not what people are questioning. It's really the purpose that he gives the team, right? Like, when I think about a head coach, you have to give your team purpose every day, right? Like, I, I don't know what they do, obviously, day-to-day in practice. But to me, they're amazing on third and fourth down, and they're not good on first and second down. And they need to flip that. It's been talked about by some of these smart analytics people for two years now. It's literally been two years of a track record. Yeah, Herbert, awesome, third down, fourth down. He saves the day again, saves the day again. 
let's get some more aggression on first and second down and stop getting to third down. The best teams of have good third down conversion rates, of course, but they avoid third down as much as possible. And I just don't see that. So what is the purpose that Brandon Staley brings to the chargers? He might draw up beautiful game plans. He might have a great defensive scheme, but when there's no driving force, pushing a team to accomplish certain goals within drives, within games, that's when it gets frisky. That's when uh, superstar talent can win games for you, but it's not with confidence and it's not blowouts uh, against teams that they should beat handedly. So we'll talk about the Chargers in a minute. First, let's talk about what could have been for you if you were tailing my picks this past week on DraftKings Sportsbook because the season's in full swing and DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We just recapped our picks, talked a little football. I went 4-1 and this week and it was awesome to see my balance shoot up on my DraftKings Sportsbook app. New customers, though, you can see your balance shoot up pretty good, too. If you put $5 on any NFL team to win, you can get $200 in free bets if they do. And if that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with bigger payouts than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? And with this stepped-up same-game parlay, I love getting that normal type same game parlay at that minus 110 range, maybe plus 110, minus 120, whatever, and then boom, step it up, and then you get the odds on a bet that you think can really hit and not some crazy plus 550 thing that's not going to work out, right? So to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped up same game parlays once per game all season long. That's not getting you DraftKings. I don't know what what else to tell you. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Pat, let's do first though, let's do teams that saved their season on Sunday or Monday or Thursday or whatever it may be for week three because there's a couple teams that needed that first win, couple teams that needed to make sure they put together a good performance against lesser opponents, and uh, they did just that. So why don't you kick us off with one of the teams that saved themselves there in week three? Yeah, well, I think first and first and foremost, a team that, that saved their season was obviously the Cincinnati Bengals, right? And we were saying this was the get-right spot. This was desperation mode, going up against the Jets, going up against Joe Flacco. We knew all the problems that they had offensively with the offensive line going into that. Uh, but that was one of the reasons why they were my most confident pick, them and the Chiefs, uh, was because, uh, you know, the Jets' pass rush, one, wasn't that good. Two, they've you know been basically notorious now for being a very undisciplined team over the last couple of years. And I just don't trust in Joe Flacco. And I said that Jets team should have been 0-2, me if not for the miracle comeback against the Browns. And that's exactly the way it played out. Cincinnati defense stepped up. They came to play. Um, you know, they finally got it right on offense. They got the timing right. Pearl looked good throwing the ball. Um, you know, they were able to, even though he was in, and, and Jamar chase, once again, didn't have that big of a game. Right. So, you know, without Jamar having a huge game, it was still nice to see him, you know, get Tyler Boyd involved, get T Higgins involved. Those guys had a, a combined 198 yards and the, the run game, which wasn't that strong. That's fine. You know, I know you were talking about it. A lot of people were talking about it. Like just let Burrow do his thing, right? Let Joe Burrow, um, play his game. They dropped back. He threw 30, you know, he threw 36 times. And he was super efficient. And when he gets protection, we know he's still one of the most dangerous quarterbacks. So I tweeted after week two that the Burrow magic has worn off. You know, we'll see. Can he 
I don't, I don't think he's going to have as magical of a season this year as he did last year, but against an opponent like the New York Jets, you need to flex your superiority. You need to come through. And I thought they did a great job of putting points on the board early, and they managed that game well. All in all, that was exactly the type of game they needed to save their season and get back on track. And I know we're going to preview week four, Pete, but I'm letting you know now, I'm already going to be big time on the Bengals again Thursday at home. And I think it's because of the reasons we said with the Dolphins. Short week, playing in the 100-degree heat on Sunday. They played 90 snaps on defense. Tua, you know, they say it's the back. I mean, we saw that video of him with the kind of deer legs. That was scary. So I don't know if, you know, if he's going to be able to pass concussion protocol. I know the NFL launched an investigation uh, but he also does have some ankle soreness, they said. Who knows if that's, you know, if there's truth to that. But I'm going to be big on the Bengals again. I think they get to two and two, and I think that win against the Jets saved their season. 100%, man. And, and getting to three, oh, and three is tough. You know, it's happened before. The Colts, right, last year, you mentioned them starting oh, and three and making their way back. They should have made the playoffs last year. We all know what happened. Uh, so it's not like the Bengals would have been completely dead, but they really saved their chances here because – the Ravens are freaking good and they're going to win. They're going to win probably 11 or 12 games this year. That's what it looks like for the Baltimore Ravens and the Bengals to make the playoffs are going to have to win 10. Like they have to get there. And if you go to 0 and 3, it gets harder and harder to do so. I'm still a little nervous with the, with the Bengals offense, like just relying on those receivers to make big time plays and Burrow trust them, which is a beautiful thing to watch uh, when they, when they connect, but it's asking a lot. Like it's asking a lot throughout a season. I remember last year with the Cardinals, I said it felt like everything that they did positive was spectacular and spectacular is not sustainable. That's what drove me away from backing the Cardinals, even though they burned me regular season last year, a bunch of times trying to bet against them. I tried to get ahead of it. I ended up being right in the long haul, but week to week, it didn't really matter. Relying on spectacular is really difficult. So the importance of getting Boyd and Higgins cooking is really huge because it can't just be bombs to chase. It has to be, spread out. There's three guys who can make plays. Let's let them all make plays, you know? So I'm happy the Bengals did that because in reality, even if you're not a Bengals backer, which I've been anti Bengals, I took the under on the season. You want to see them competitive and all of a sudden they're one in four for some odd reason. You know, we're looking at a AFC North we thought was this strong division. And now the Ravens are running away and the Browns are the only team with a chance. Right. And that's, that's not what we want to see as NFL fans. So I'm happy they got their win on the flip side is the Indianapolis Colts who went against the Chiefs. And that'll be the team that I'm going to say to save their season a little bit because that's one that could unravel. You know, we're not expecting Joe Burrow and the Bengals to completely unravel. And we think their floor is pretty high. There was a universe where the Colts lost 0-3. All of a sudden, you know, they're, they're struggling. Again, they play the Titans in division game this week. That's not a guaranteed win, even though they're favored by three right now. And they could be looking at 0-3, 0-4, 4 something like that. And, and that's that's tough to come back from because the Jaguars are looking good. The Titans don't stink, and it is what it is. So they played a very weird game. They didn't look that good, but sometimes you need to just see the ball go in the basket, and that's what the Colts did against the Chiefs. Whatever they had to do, it was ugly. The Chiefs were ugly. The offensive line for the Colts is supposed to be this big strength. It hasn't been yet this season, but they irked one out. They did the job. Matt Ryan's still looking a little old, a little bit rusty, and uh, I'm not saying that they're now going to go on a run, but God, if they lost that game, it wouldn't even really matter much moving forward because two 0-3 starts in a row, uh, I mean, it most likely would have ended up how it did last year. 
Yeah, absolutely. And if, uh, you know, I'll hit on one other team here that saved their season might only be temporary, uh, temporary. Uh, and he might've only saved his job temporarily. Uh, but the Carolina Panthers, that was a game they had to win, right? They were another one of those desperation mode teams, 0-2 at home. And, um, Christian McCaffrey did what Christian McCaffrey needed to do. They they leaned on him for the run game, 25 for 108 yards. Uh, they were great for the most part on, on third down when they needed to be, four for 14, but they did have a couple of huge conversions in the first half that got them out to a 13-0 lead at the half. And then the defense was great in, in, in getting turnovers, you know, those havoc plays, picking off Jameis, who I don't think is 100%. You know, on the flip side, it's a Saints team that now is, I think, is going to be in desperation mode at one and two. Things kind of falling off the tracks for them. Kamara, I think, is still banged up. But for now, is Matt Rule going to make it through the season? Who knows? But temporarily, the, the Panthers saved their season with a huge win at home. Uh, Saints, you know, started to make it close in the second half with a couple of, uh, couple of touchdowns. You know, at one point, 22-14, they had a chance to drive down the field late in the game, and, and Jameis throws a pick yet again on the first play of that last drive to, to seal it. So uh, Carolina, you know, that pass rush is going to have to get better. They got pressure, but they only ended up getting one sack. Uh, but they did get those two picks, the one to seal it. The pass rush needs to be better. The offensive line still needs to be better. Baker Mayfield needs to be better, if not for that one big breaker, LaVisca Chenault. Again, they're not getting much in the passing game. But when you need a win to save your season, you got to get a win at home. The Panthers did that. So for now – they have saved their season, and for now, Matt Rule has saved his job. Yeah, and it's the defense, 100%. It's the defense. Baker's not going to be a 30-point-a-game quarterback who is just lighting people up and winning left and right because of how he plays on offense. Their defense right now ranks out as a top-10 defense in the league. They're five yards, uh, five yards on average given up per play. That's tied for 10th in the NFL. It's not like the defense has been a disaster, but they had to put one together and – and line it up and make one happen. Like, and, and the big play has to be there, right? Whether it's DJ Moore this week, it was LaVishka Chenault who broke a big one. We know what McCaffrey can do, uh, but if they can put it together on defense and then be, you know, serviceable to a slightly above average on offense, they're a team that will be frisky and I expect them to be. And if you think about their season so far, you know, loss against the giants, that was tight and silly. And then loss in week one against the Browns, that was very tight. So they're, they're a team that is knocking at the door of winning a couple games, and I can see them, you know, at least being competitive now through the season. If they lost that one to the Saints, you know, you can, you can fry them up as people start talking about Sam Darnold for some reason. I'm like, yo, we don't need to be having that conversation. And I think they have flown under the radar so far, right? Three games that aren't pretty, not exciting to watch. They could be 3-0. They're 1-2. and the, the bigger lure with this team right now is Baker's early start and, uh, and Matt Rule. So – um, you know, I'm very excited to, to watch how the Panthers, how their season kind of progresses here. Um, and, and especially for them, you know, in the immediate future, they've got a couple of tough games coming up where, you know, again, I talk about Matt Rule, maybe be lucky to make it to Halloween, maybe extremely lucky to make it to Thanksgiving. They're at home against Arizona. That is going to be a toss up to me. And I, I listened to one pod, I, um, you know, where they're talking about how everybody's going to be big on Arizona. They were, I think it was a three-point dog to start. Now it's they're plus one and a half. So the Panthers are actually favored in that game, which is surprising to me. Uh, but that's going to be very interesting Sunday in the late window. And then they play the Niners. They're at the Rams, home against the Bucks. So these next four games for them, man, are not easy by any stretch. 
definitely really tough. Thankfully, the Cardinals are giving up the most yards per play in the entire league right now. So their defense is getting worked. Like their their defense is getting absolutely worked. Somehow they only give up 20 to the Rams uh, this past week, but they're still just giving up chunk after chunk after chunk. So another chance for McCaffrey and Baker to, to show out a little bit and do something. I think I like the Panthers there as well. Um, so, you know, we could throw out the Falcons because they were 0-2. They got the win, but no one really expects the Falcons to be anything except for possibly in the in the chase for a top five draft pick, you know. So not going to really care about them right now. I will maybe mention the Packers. I'll just throw them out. They weren't 0-2. They were 1-1, uh, but that win was huge for them. You know, the, the Buccaneers were 2-0. Their defense has been stellar so far this season. The Packers have to figure out. They might fit both categories here, Pat. Uh, if we're going to start segueing into the teams that need saving, the Packers kind of saved their season with a win, but it wasn't pretty. They still need to fill some holes. Those receivers, um, the offense in general needs to figure it out on the offensive line. Uh, but they, they had one of those wins that wasn't pretty by any means. It's not a Rogers Brady game that we would expect. It's not, not your, your father's Rogers versus Brady game this, uh, this past week, but that's the type of win they're probably going to have to pull out every couple weeks here when that offense faces up against a really good defense and Jones and, and Dylan don't get to run wild. They have to do some things. They didn't really do much, but they did just enough. And that defense, which has been a little bit weird this year, getting torched by the, the Vikings in week one, now looking like the defense we expected. So the Packers might fit both categories here. Yeah, for sure. I know just to hit the other side too, I think, you know, we look at teams that need their seasons to be saved. It's kind of tough to say that about a two and one team with Tom Brady, but the Buccaneers offense, I got a lot of concerns for them, man. You know, they're going to get a shot in the arm with getting Evans back from suspension. But I mean, what is the status of Chris Godwin going forward here for the next several weeks? You know, coming off the torn ACL, doesn't look 100%. Julio Jones, I thought was going to be a huge addition to them, but obviously his knee is not 100%. And, you know, that's getting to a point where you got to try to save him for the season. They're going to probably use him on a pitch count going forward. You can't really afford to shoot your load with Julio Jones and then suffer a long-term injury for him. And then, you know, just you know, these, they need these guys to step up. Rashad Perriman, Scotty Miller, they've been on the team for a couple of years now. They still have yet to really make a big impact consistently outside of that one overtime game winner that Rashad Perriman had last year. You know, these are guys they need to step up. I know they're low on the depth chart, but, you know, these injuries like this are things that are going to, I think, continue to happen for them. And then also in the run game, you know, uh, you know, Postseason Lenny, again, that's another guy. Is he even going to make it to the postseason? He, I don't think he's 100%. And they're having a lot of trouble running the ball. And we know the, the struggles they're having with the offensive line. You know, with guys being hurt, is Donovan Smith going to be able to play this week? Um, you know, Ryan Jensen being on IR, losing Kappa. So there's a lot of issues going on with Brady and the offensive line. And we know that anything with Tom Brady now, you need a strong offensive line. Because at 45, man – Yes, he's still cerebral. He's still got a great arm, but he needs protection because if any pocket collapses on him, the play's over. And that's how, you know, even when Brady was in his late 20s, early 30s and that dynasty with the Patriots, the way to beat Brady is to get pressure up the middle. And right now the offensive line is not at 100%. So Buccaneers, you know, they're a team to look out for, two and one. But I think that season could easily start to get murky for them they're firmly in the grasp of being that NFC contender still 100%. They deserve that respect, but they need to put together some better performances on offense. I mean, Russell Gage had 13 targets, 12 catches. That is good. 
you like that he is actually a person they brought in this offseason that they expected something from, but you can't rely on him that much. Now, obviously, with Mike Evans back, it'll look different. We'll see if Cole Beasley can get a little frisky for them uh, as that little slot guy. He seems to fit the mold of somebody who can just help Tom Brady move the chains. But obviously, he just showed up midweek and, and <laughs> went to work. So, uh, you know, you're not expecting much from him from week one. Um, yeah, so the Buccaneers as well fit kind of both molds there. And one last team here to segue into the teams that need saving, but also kind of save themselves. I'll, I'll shout out the Denver Broncos. And here's the only rub that I can think of that's a positive here for the Denver Broncos. Their game management and Daniel Hackett's ability to be a head coach in the NFL can't really get worse, Pat. That's how I'm looking at it right now. Like he can't get much worse at what he's doing to manage these games and you call timeouts. So. Yeah, right. You hope so. You never know, right? People have, have shocked us before. But if it gets a, it gets a little bit better, this offense has talent left and right. They can run the ball pretty well. They got playmakers on the outside. Russell Wilson has not looked like himself, but he's still a very good quarterback. And they have to just get in the end zone. They were one of the best teams on a yard per play standpoint, on yards gain standpoint. They just, in the first two weeks, they couldn't find the end zone after all those red zone appearances. Like that has to flip at some point, you'd assume, with Russell Wilson at the helm. So that's the rub on Denver. They saved themselves with the, um, you know, an ugly win against San Francisco on Sunday night when they played. But, you know, if you think there's a chance for them to get better, they're two and one and it's despicable and ugly and there's no confidence running around this team right now. But if you're two and one playing bad football and you start playing better football, you imagine that that's going to allow them a chance to get in the playoffs. And you think about this AFC West, we thought they had a chance at four playoff teams. The Raiders are zero and three now. And, um, the Chargers lost a game, and they're not looking as sharp as we hoped they would coming into the season. I called them out last week for not being a shoo-in to the playoffs. So the Denver Broncos at 2-1 and one playing ugly football now open up a chance for them to figure it out and all of a sudden become a 10-11 win team. Yeah, and then really quickly, Pete, uh, if we want to finish here, if you have another team, hit on them after this. But uh, a team that needs their season saved is a team that I was highest on more than anybody and more than any other team in the league. The Vegas Raiders desperately need their season saved. However, I am tripling down. I am tripling down on Josh McDaniels. I'm tripling down on Derek Carr. I don't know if I'm tripling down on this defense because that's where they need to get better. Defense in the run game. I mean, they are atrocious right now. They get blasted on the ground every single week right now. Um, you know, they were just getting torched left and right by Derek Henry. It was, it was really tough to watch them try to defend the run. And, and then they can't run, they can't run themselves. You know, this is a team where they need to have a balanced offense, even though they've added Devontae Adams. And I was so high on Adams, Renfro and Waller with Carr thrown to them. You can't just be all throwing no run. You've got to get that run game going, um, you know, with Josh Jacobs. And right now this offensive line just isn't in sync in terms of pushing guys back and getting consistent chunk yardage that, and they're terrible in the red zone. You know, Carr had another unfortunate tip pass that was picked off in the end zone against Tennessee. But once again, the Titans, who maybe had their season saved, but I'm not sure they did because Vrabel, again, the way he managed that game in that second half was terrible. They went up big early, and they let Vegas back in it again the way they let the Giants back in it at home in week one. Vegas should have came back and won that game. 
If not for that tip pass pick in the in the end zone, they'd probably come back and beat them. Tennessee, once again, gets totally shut out in the second half, lifeless on offense, just totally vanilla play calling after they looked so good in the first half. Tannehill, I don't know what the hell is going on with him. And from first half to second half, his throws just were not as sharp watching back through some of the highlights. Um, you know, and, and what I was seeing on red zone, I, I didn't even see Tennessee with the ball in the second half when I was watching red zone on Sunday. Um, and then, you know, and then even the last drive, the Raiders do score a couple of fourth down, basically Hail Mary passes, one to Matt Collins, who then caught the touchdown. He had a huge game, Matt Collins. He is, uh, you know, a budding star on that team as well. Forget about Adams, Renfro, and Waller. Matt Collins had a huge performance. But then, you know, if they get the two-point conversion, that's a tie game, and they outscore them 14 nothing in the second half. So, uh, look, something's got to change with the Raiders in terms of their red zone production, one. Two, they've got to be able to run the ball, the, run the ball more consistently with Jacobs. And then three, their defense, that secondary's got to step up, man. I said that was going to be the weakness this year. And I know they're a little bit banged up, you know, especially at the corner position. But Rocky Asin, Nate Hobbs, like those guys got to step up, man. Otherwise, this season is going to go off the rails. And they're not going to be able to save it. And I'm going to look like a buffoon saying they were going to win the AFC West. It's a tough one. But listen, I respect the triple down. They have, they're another team that has the talent. They're similar to the Broncos in that respect except they haven't had the lucky wins. They also haven't had as easy as a, of a schedule uh, as the Broncos to this point. You know, they haven't had that layup. They haven't had the get right game. We thought maybe the Titans were going to be that game, but clearly the Titans are a professional football team, right? Like Mike Vrabel has shown now he has a track record. There's a level of competition to expect from the Titans. And I, I missed on that one this week. And, and if you look at air yards, right? Something people talk about a lot with quarterbacks. Derek Carr is pretty much where he needs to be, right? Like he's in the top half of air yards intended um, amongst quarterbacks right now. So it's not like he's not pushing the ball down the field. It's not like he's not taking shots. He has been, you know, decently aggressive. I do agree that the play calling got vanilla with the lead, which is something that, you know, where teams go to die and lose leads. So it's tough. I, I, I agree with you though. I don't think it's that the Raiders are dead. They're not dead. They need to have that saving game coming up here. And who do they have in uh in week four, they have the Broncos. So man, that is a, that's a tough game, right? They're in Vegas. It's a division rival. That's their season, man. That is their season. Really? It really is. And they're two and a half point favorites. And if you think about these two teams, you can really make an argument that the Raiders have played better football than the Denver Broncos, especially offensively, right? Defensively, the Broncos have been much better. That's definitely fair to say, but it's not like these teams are in different realms yet. The Broncos are two and one and the Raiders are zero and three. And uh, just to round it up on the Chargers, because I mentioned them before we kind of started there, to talk specifically about how they need saving, they don't have explosives right now. Their only explosive guy, or they, I should say this, their only two explosive guys are the guy Guyton, who is now out for the year. And it's Mike Williams, but Mike Williams isn't a burner. He's not getting open catches down the field very frequently. He's getting contested catches. It goes back to that Joe Burrow conversation where, it's great to have Mike Williams. It's great to chuck him the ball and see what happens. But you have to create explosives here because Justin Herbert, on the flip side of Derek Carr here, should not, should not be in the bottom six or sorry, bottom seven of intended air yards per, per uh, pass attempt. No way in hell should Herbert be anywhere near the bottom of that list. You see what he does when he has to gain 10 yards on third down, gain nine yards on fourth down. He's electric. He does it constantly. He throws dimes, 
through the defense. He doesn't even turn the ball over very much. This guy needs to be unleashed. This guy needs to be allowed to do so. The only thing that makes me nervous, they don't really have the weapons, especially with Keenan Allen being injured and banged up right now, to, to let him fly, to let Justin Herbert cook, to go in division and talk about Russell Wilson versus Herbert. This guy needs to, to be given the reins to make mistakes. Like I'd almost rather Herbert throw a pick every game if he's going to be pushing the ball down the field because it might mean two touchdowns more, one uh, one interception. And like that's still positive for, for a guy like Herbert because more often than not, when he's throwing the ball down the field, he's not throwing picks anyway. So, so let the man fly. Let the man cook a little bit. I don't want to see him averaging 6.4 air yards per pass attempt uh, halfway through the season and towards the end. That's not going to cut it for this team, especially as the defense, you know, looks pedestrian. It looks average. They have playmakers who can make big plays, but they're not doing that particularly either. So you're going to need Herbert to, to make it happen for them. So those are the teams that save themselves in week three. And those are the teams that need saving moving forward, even if some of them have decent records to this point. Uh, any, any last words there before we look at this slate here for week four? No. All good. All right. Patrick. Patrick Boyle, Pat Boyle 44, by the way, just hosted uh, overnight. Actually, let's do this real quick. Just hosted overnight on the fan uh, last night. And I've been thinking about this coming up to our episode here tonight about how people like you and I, who are so exposed to certain pockets of the media and fans through callers at WFAN, through Twitter, and all the crap that we see, it's really easy to kind of look into a certain lens that may not be the truth, that may not be what most people are actually thinking. And I find it interesting working at a high school. I talk to some of these high school kids about their fantasy teams and about this thing and that thing, and and they're seeing it. And I get reminded quickly, Pat, that what you and I think is the norm or what most people are thinking about a team is not always true. So we've been joking about the Giants kind of going 4-0 to start the season but we never really knew. We never thought that they were good. You know, March and Lugan called them a fraud the other day on the picks podcast. He's correct. They are not a real two and O team. They're not a four and O team, even though they didn't make it there. What has been your takeaway now after the Cowboys loss, being on air for five hours at the fan of the general vibes around the New York giants? Cause it's real easy to say a week ago, oh, they're two and O the defense, this Daniel Jones doesn't suck. Yada, yada but we might be back very shortly to this team sucks. They can't score Sterling Shepard out again. What's going on? What are you feeling right now about the New York Giants? Yeah. Uh, I, I brought the hammer down on them, uh, you know, early Tuesday morning on the fan. I said, any chance to, of them making the playoffs and which we thought going into the season was slim to none. It was nearly impossible. They got, they, they, you know, built some hope into their fan base and you thought, okay, they can beat the John. They can beat the Cowboys at home against the backup quarterback Cooper Rush. We knew how good the Dallas defense had played, but especially no Michael Gallup in that game uh, on Monday night. No Dalton Schultz. Uh, Ceedee Lamb hadn't played well, and he dropped a wide open pass in the first half, and then has the comeback second half uh, of the season so far. Especially with that highlight reel catch for the touchdown. But that was a winnable game for the Giants, and they let it slip through their hands. And the offensive line is yet again the biggest flaw of that team. I mean, outside of Andrew Thomas, every single guy on that line got blown up. The rookie right tackle, Evan Neal out of Alabama, was getting destroyed by Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, anybody that 
Uh, Dan Quinn and the Cowboys defense lined up against him. He was getting blown away, and especially in the interior too. I mean, they had to try to get so creative with Kafka and with Brian Dayball, uh, the offense calling the plays. They were going play action screens, RPO play action, dumping balls off just to get guys to get yards after the catch because anytime they had a straight drop back, Daniel Jones was under pressure running for his life immediately. He got pressured 24 times, second most in a game in the NFL in the last two years, most this season, most in his career. I thought Daniel Jones had a great game. I wouldn't say great game. He had a good game considering the offensive line was terrible. He made a lot happen with his legs, running for 80 yards basically. But again, I think all the flaws that we have pointed out about Daniel Jones here, and especially now over the last year and a half, I've done the 180. I said there's no way it's ever going to work out for him as the quarterback here. Is because there, you know, you you have a quarterback that can elevate those flaws. And Daniel Jones put the team on his back, and it was a gutsy heroic performance. But there was still multiple plays where he's locking onto his number one target, and the number two and number three guys are open, you know, for seven, eight, nine, ten yards. And it's just, you know, he didn't get a lot of help at all from the offensive line. He didn't get a lot of help with Kenny Galladay once again dropping another pass after he ran his mouth all week. Didn't get help from Sterling Shepard, and then. And then Shep blows out his knee on the final play from the stupid shit MetLife turf, uh, you know, at that stadium. That play should be burned down to the ground. <laughs> like my friend Bobby Skinner from Talking Giants says, jokes about, kind of doesn't joke about. Um, but, you know, there was, that was a winnable game for the Giants. They left, they left points on the board. And the offensive line, unless it improves, they're never – they're once again going to be an offense that is at the bottom of the league – they're not going to be able to generate enough yards through the air because that, because Jones has no time to throw the ball, and you know it's just they're going to have a, they're going to have a ton of games this year that are exactly like their first three weeks. You know where if they can win at the margins and they can lose at the margins, I think the big thing is they are much more well coached this year, but they're not a team that is going anywhere anytime soon. Um, and I think if not for the softest schedule in the league they would probably be at that four or five win mark, but you know, we'll see. Those are all going to be toss ups for them. That four week span where they play, what is it? Detroit, Jacksonville, Houston, and Seattle. So, you know, we'll see But if the offensive line doesn't improve, you know, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. It's the offensive line. 100%. Like you said, Daniel Jones didn't look terrible. It was what's the guy supposed to do. Even on some of the plays he made down the field, they weren't converted. Right. And like, you know, we're talking about Herbert and, and cars, average air yards, you know, Daniel Jones is third lowest in the NFL, but that makes sense right now. And, and Daniel Jones isn't a bad deep passer. Like he's not bad at that, but he's averaging six yard, 6.2 yards uh, in the air uh, intended air yards right now. That's almost what you expect when you can't block for the man. What's he supposed to do? He's getting creamed back there. He's not the most cerebral guy in the pocket, even though he's pretty uh, athletic and, it's just tough to watch sometimes. Do you expect Neil to, to hold down Parsons and Lawrence? Like, no, but that's what you're facing in the NFL a lot of these times. And yeah, the Dallas Cowboys D line might be a little extra special than some other teams, but that's got to get figured out. And then lastly on the giants, they're giving up 5.3 yards per carry right now. And that's uh fifth worst in the NFL. That's got to change Tony Pollard. It just felt like every time he touched the rock, it was a first down. And he was slashing right through that defense. When Zeke Elliott came in the game, it was like, yes, let's go. We might actually only hold it to three yards right now. And that's not a place where you want to be when Tony Pollard is running all over you. So Giants, they are who they thought we thought they were pretty much.
And on the flip side, Saquon Barkley has been unbelievable. His oh, resurgence fantastic. is for real. You said it, you know, after week one, he might be back. After week two, he's sure back. Um, and he proved it again. He's their best weapon right now. So, But that's a concern. I don't think many people can stay healthy, let alone a guy like Saquon Barkley that has had injury problems in the past. If they have to give him the ball 25 times a game just for the offense to have any kind of life, they're going to run him into the ground. But he has been unbelievable so far for them this year. If not for him, their offense would be even worse. And then, yeah, giving up all those uh, yards on the ground, I, I don't know what the hell is going on with Joe Shane. I know he's got to cut a lot of salary, but there was no reason why they had to get rid of Blake Martinez him and Wink Martindale, because apparently he didn't fit in with the blitz-heavy scheme. I mean, you're telling me that Tay Crowder and Austin Calitro are going to be your starting middle linebackers? Those guys are terrible. They couldn't wrap up Tony Pollard to save their lives on Monday night. And that was a big reason why anytime Dallas needed any kind of yardage, just hand the ball off up the middle, Giants interior pass rush and, and run rush wasn't getting anything. They missed Leonard Williams big time, who missed, I think it was his first game in his career on Monday night. And then your linebackers just aren't good enough to make tackles at the point of contact. So, yeah, big problem there as well. So the all 4-0 Giants hype that was going around is dead. It's I, wouldn't be dead. Surprised they lose, I wouldn't be surprised they lose to Chicago again on Sunday, as much problems as they're having with even completing a pass right now. Man, listen, the Bears don't want to pass the ball anyway, so Khalil Herbert might run for 160 again. <laughs> the Giants, it might happen again. It might. So let's do that now. Let's do our little week four preview here, you know, where we just call out a couple games that we find interesting that we might want to put some money on on Thursday night into Friday in the weekend. Uh, so, Pat, why don't you kick us off? And why don't you kick us off, actually, with that Thursday night game? You already mentioned it before. But if you want to start there, uh, just so we can click that one away and, and talk about a game that should be pretty damn exciting, Dolphins at 3-0, Bengals at 1-2 and needing a win. Yeah, I don't know how – you know, optimistic or pessimistic, we should be about two of playing. You know, again, I think the link, the biggest thing is there's some internal proceedings going on with making sure he doesn't have a concussion. They're trying to say it's his back. They're trying to say it's his ankle. I don't buy it. I think it's, if anything, it's either he has a concussion or he doesn't. So if he's fine there, he's going to play. Uh, I know they've got the questionable tag on Jalen Waddell uh, at practice on Tuesday. I think he's totally fine. I think basically most guys on that offense are fine. Um, you know, maybe Teron Armstead, the left tackle, is a guy to look out for if he's going to play. But for the most part, I think it's just fatigue, playing in the 100-degree heat on Sunday, defense being on the field for 90 snaps. I think they are going to be gassed. I think you're going to see that in the second half. Maybe it's close in the first half. Uh, but if you're, you know, looking for a way to bet this, if you don't like – if you don't want to take Cincinnati right now, the spread's at four, I think, um, on DraftKings. If you don't like that to start – Maybe you hope that this game's tight in the first half and then you live bet the Bengals at the half. But I'm going to be on the Bengals every which way in this game. I think he's due for a huge game. I think Jamar Chase finally has that. Um, so I like, I like Burrow to chase this on Thursday. I think the Bengals offense continues to break out. And uh, I, I love the Bengals in this one. I think Mike McDaniel has looked great so far. Tua's been, been pretty damn good, man. I mean, again, he has shut me up so far. But I think they are due for a big Big regression here on Thursday night on the road in the short week after that um, exhausting thriller that they won on Sunday at home. Big time letdown spot. And it's not the typical letdown spot where it's a bad team, right? And I'm not talking about the uh, actual result prediction here. I'm just talking about from an energy perspective, from a health perspective, there's almost no chance the Dolphins are going to be at the same force they were on Sunday against Buffalo going to Cincinnati now. So – 
I'm with you. Uh, the, the lean feels like the Bengals. And honestly, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about putting this one in early, like maybe getting the Bengals now at four, because I could see a world where Tua doesn't play for whatever reason. And all of a sudden that spread is six and a half, seven, seven and a half. And, you know, then you can figure it out Thursday night if you want to change that up. But for now you might win on the good number if Tua ends up being banged up. And I think, I think if Tua plays like this maybe gets back to three, I don't yeah, see it going three and two a half. and a half. Yeah, I think yeah. three and a half, three, maybe tops. So I don't think you're going to miss out on really anything if you bet it now. But yeah, if Tua does get ruled out, that's going to skyrocket up to seven, seven and a half. Because when Teddy Bridgewater had to come in that game for a brief stint, they were terrible on offense. Yeah, it's just not the same. And that says something about Tua and his progressions that he's, that he's made as a quarterback. All right, I'll move on to my game that I want to talk about here. Um, it is actually the London game. So London game is a little bit weird, but I am interested – in what's going on here. Oh, did you forget that there was a London game? No, I just knew you were going to talk about the Vikings. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I had to talk about the Vikings because I was actually with a Vikings fan uh, during my, my uh, you know, men's league basketball game earlier. And I'm like, bro, what's going on with the Vikings? Like, what's happening here? He's like, what do you mean? We're two and one. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't feel right. And what he said to me was so perfect. He's like, we're talking about the Vikings and Kirk Cousins is our quarterback. It never feels right. Right. And, and, and it's a great point. And it's part of why I am so infatuated with this team for better or worse is because there's moments in time where you're like, this team is so damn good. They're balanced on offense. Dalvin cook probably won't play. He might play, I think on Sunday, but that doesn't even matter. Madison's one of the better backups in the league. So, you know, it's like nothing ever feels right for the Vikings. Why should it? I think it should. I think they're a better team than the, than the saints. They're two and a half point favorites here. The offense is better. The defense is better. I don't understand why they can't put it together. To me, it's hard to believe it's all Kirk Cousins. Something else goes on with the Vikings, and perhaps my Vikings fan friend just broke it down. It's the Vikings. It never feels right. So I don't know if it's something that can change, per se, with Kirk Cousins at the helm and the Vikings being the Vikings. But they're talented enough to win games and look better than they have despite that incredible comeback on Sunday against the Lions. They're 2-1. and one. They're fine. They're in line to be right there for a playoff spot uh, when the time comes. But I- I'm just interested to see how they show up. And on the flip side, I'm interested to see if the Saints are able to figure anything out. They're gaining all these yards. They're not scoring a lot of points. And the defense is not the defense that we were used to for the past couple of years. Yeah, for sure. And I, and then I think, you know, we look at the, the other games in the 1 o'clock window. Obviously, Bills, Ravens in Baltimore, 1 o'clock. Right now, Buffalo, three-point favorite, over under 52. Oh, man. You know, we talk about Miami's going to be gassed after the, uh, the short week or, you know, going into the short week. But I, I think even though Buffalo's got a full seven days, it's going to be exciting to see how they bounce back. Mentally, you think they're going to be out for blood, right? A game that they probably should have won. Um, but mentally, I wonder how they're – or excuse me, physically, I wonder how they're going to bounce back even though they do have a full week. You saw Diggs ran out of gas at the end of that game. He was basically laying down on the sideline with the cramping, a bunch of guys dealing with that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. They missed that Oliver. He should be back. I know he was questionable in practice on Tuesday. we got a long way to go to see how he plays. But again, Micah Hyde, done for the year. Jordan Poyer, is he going to come back and play here this week? We'll see if that happens. They're basically missing their entire secondary. They still are not getting Tredavious White back for another couple of weeks. Uh, Dane Jackson, who had that scary injury, he possibly could play on Sunday. But there's a lot of question marks on this defense right now and also on the offensive line. Mitch Morse, does he come back and play? Uh, And I know their right guard, Ryan Bates, had a questionable tag on him uh, so far earlier in the week in practice as well. 
And, and then, you know, we know that right now, if, if Baltimore can get that Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews MVP connection going, they're scary. And even though the offense again, doesn't jump out on you on paper, if Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle is back this week. Um, you know, we saw them have a lot of success running the ball. We'll see what JK Dobbins can do, but <clears throat> excuse me. I think, uh, you know, Rashad Bateman has kind of done really, really well so far, you know, a lot answering those questions of, can he be the number one guy? Um, you know, weeks one and three, two catches for 59 yards, exactly each. He had the big game against Miami. He does have two touchdowns. Um, you know, he's, they don't really go to him a lot. I don't think he has a single target in the red zone yet, but you know, in terms of setting up the offense, getting down the field, it's Bateman. And then, you know, Mark Andrews is the big weapon in the red zone and Lamar's a threat to run at any time. So I, I would expect a lot of points in this one because of all the question marks that Buffalo has on defense. Plus Baltimore secondary, I don't think they're there yet still. Uh, but man, just from it's going to be exciting to watch Allen and, and, jo- and Lamar duel it out on Sunday for four quarters. For as banged up as the Bills defensive backfield is the Ravens are giving it up right now right like they're giving up so many yards I mentioned the Cardinals before giving up the most yards per play in the league the Ravens are second they're giving up six and a half yards per play it's like that's pretty bad right so you think about that combination of uh the Bills offense coming out for blood not being able to punch it in to the end zone a couple times in that Dolphins game that combined with the Ravens giving it up on defense combined with the Bills defense being all sorts of banged up it feels like points, Pat. And then all of a sudden, you know, we bet a bunch of overs and it's going to be a freaking stupid 21-17 game for no reason at all. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the perfect analysis to what, what to expect on Sunday. And that's a game I am just staying far away from on the betting standpoint because I don't know what's going to happen. Lamar can easily continue to put up 30 points a game. Josh Allen can stand right next to him and do the same damn thing. So I, I don't know what the hell to expect here. But if I'm not locked into that, I'm doing my Sunday wrong. Yeah, and I think what has sa- what saved Baltimore on Sunday and what has saved them a lot in this season, too, is they're able to get turnovers, right? They've got the second-best mo- second turnover differential at plus five. They've got eight takeaways so far in three games. Is that something that's going to stand up against the Bills, who Josh Allen protects the ball really well? Uh, you know, it's going to be late. It's going to remain to be seen, but if they're not getting takeaways against the bills, they are going to continue to give up chunk yardage. They are going to continue to give up a ton of points. So if I'm leaning one way, you know, this, I think is a good spot for a teaser. This, I think where, you know, I could see Ravens winning this game spreads at three. I get the bills, you know, down to three and a half tease the over up to like 44 Talked about getting away from the same game teaser, but I think that's a great spot for it where I'm back in the bills. And I I think there's going to be a, I'm very confident there's going to be points in this one. Pat is the same game teasers as Pete is to the Vikings. (laughs) Can't get away from them. Can't get away. Can't quit them. Can't get away at all. Uh, That'll be a good game though. I can't freaking wait for that one. Um, Quickly. We already mentioned the Cardinals Panthers, but I'm just interested to see how that one breaks down. You know, the Cardinals still have Kyler Murray who, still makes awesome plays sometimes, but there just seems to be no consistency. A lot of people say it's a schoolyard, schoolyard BS every, every down with the Cardinals. And sometimes it looks great. Sometimes it doesn't. I don't know what's going to happen with the Cardinals. The Panthers being favorite is really interesting to me. I don't want to harp on that because we already mentioned it. Uh, but lastly, I will, um, I will just mention that on Monday night, you can throw another one on Sunday if you want, but on Monday night, it's Rams 49ers. The Rams are underdogs here. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan's had uh, McVay's number for the most part. 
Niners minus two and a half. Are they going to run the ball down the Rams throat and do the Shanahan thing? That seems to be the expectation from Vegas, giving the, the Niners um, the, the two and a half here. But I was really uninspired by what we saw from the 49ers uh, uh, last week against the Broncos. And the Broncos defense is good. I don't know. I'm just interested for that one. I'm, I'm looking forward to Monday night. I'll probably look to maybe tease the Rams up to eight and a half, right? Cause you get the Rams at eight and a half there. That's a real cushion. You get through the three through the seven. And, and I like that. But when I saw that number, I thought it would be a pick them at, at lowest. I thought maybe the Rams would still be, you know, one and a half, two point favorites. So I was just interested by that number here. And I'm interested to see what happens with Jimmy G back at the helm second full week. Now as the quarterback, does this offense start to figure it out? Like, can they move the ball uh, outside of Jeff Wilson breaking big ones and, and doing that whole thing? So I'm interested to see what goes down Rams Niners. Yeah, just really quickly on the one, if I'm leaning one way, it's going to be the Rams. And I think it's because, you know, Jeff Wilson, we know that, you know, it's a lot of nameless running backs, but Elijah Mitchell is a better running back than Jeff Wilson. Um, and the fact that, you know, you have Jeff Wilson running the ball. We'll see how involved they get Debo into the run game. Again, I think that I don't think that's a given that he, that Debo is going to continue to run the ball five, six, seven, eight times every single week just because they need him to, right? That was a huge disparity, a huge argument in his contract this year. And so far, he's ran the ball 17 times through three weeks. So an average of, you know, six carries a game. Um, but the last week against Denver, they ran it with him five times for six yards. Denver knew it was coming. We know the Rams know it's coming. Can they stop it? I think the fact that you've got uh, Jeff Wilson running the ball rather than Eli Mitchell. And then the big thing, Pete, best probably all-around player in football and far and away the best offensive lineman. The left tackle, Trent Williams, is out Monday night already. He is done. He's got an injury. That is a gigantic blow to the 49ers offense, the the ability to move the ball, protecting Jimmy G's backside against that Rams pass rush. That's going to be trouble. And I think there's not a lot of players in the league, skill-wise, skill players that you could say, this guy makes or breaks a game. Trent Williams is the left tackle can make or break the Ram the 49ers offensive chances. If I'm leaning one way, it's going to be the Rams on Monday night. And then just like everybody else will see it's up in the air right now with hurricane Ian, but we'll see if the chiefs and bucks play in Tampa, if they move that game, but either way, Sunday night, we talked about the bucks kind of being in limbo with how their offense looks. The chiefs coming off that letdown loss against the Colts. Cannot wait to see Brady and Mahomes dueled out once again. I think that game is going to be excellent. Um, you know, that spread right now, you're looking at uh, Kansas City, two-point favorites on the road over under a 45. So once again, not expected to be a big high-scoring battle. I think Mike Evans coming back for Tampa, coming off that loss is going to be huge for them. Um, and then, you know, with the Chiefs, again, coming off the loss, I think, you know, again, if if who's who's going to be their kicker? Who, who has they signed? Did they sign a new kicker yet so far? Um, I hope so. Shen Lugan hopes so. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's, that's honestly, dude, like they missed an extra point. They missed a field goal. They faked the field goal because they didn't believe in Amendola. So I think right now it's going to be, I know they signed Matthew Wright to the mm. practice squad, mm. but I have no idea what the hell they're doing right now for their kicker <laughs> option. Cause I think Buck I thought you were going to say, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> I, I don't know who that, I don't know who Matt Wright is, Me but either. I don't know if, if Butker doesn't play again, I, I think, I know, again, their special teams, the ability to get three points if they stall in the red zone, especially how good Tampa Bay's team has been, defense has been, that's a, that's a game probably that I stay away from Sunday night, but exciting to watch. 
Yeah, I'm looking at these primetime games, and I'm going to include the uh, CBS game of the week at 425, the Broncos and Raiders. Uh, that's a two-and-a-half-point spread. The Chiefs-Bucks is a two-point spread. Niners-Rams, two-and-a-half-point spread. When I see two, Pat, that's where I that's where I look for teasers because you get the underdog from two to eight. That's the game winner right there on teaser fronts. So I'm thinking, like, you take the Broncos from plus two-and-a-half to plus eight-and-a-half. The Raiders have given no sense of confidence to beat a team by more than a touchdown to this point. I mean, they're 0-3, obviously. But even still, in this division game, you feel really good about 8.5 there. And then whether it's the Bucks up to plus 8, which I also love with their defense and that being a tight game just because of uh, the pedigree of both of those teams, or you get the Rams up to plus 8.5. I mean, that that could be a beautiful thing there to, to take two of those games that you feel best about because, in reality, there's a real chance for all of those underdogs to win that game outright. So that's where I'm looking from the teaser perspective, you know, Broncos plus eight and a half Rams plus eight and a half, or you throw the bucks plus eight in there. Obviously you're going to kind of wait to see where that game is going to be played, how the spread's going to move. Um, but yeah, those, those are some really interesting numbers there to try to sneak it past the three and seven on the teaser front. I agree. I agree, man. But yeah, if I'm my leans real quick, Cincinnati for Thursday night, but when we do our picks, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some leans here right now. Um, I told you I'm leaning the Bills, maybe for the teaser. Um, we're going to see what's going to happen if Zach Wilson's going to play for the Jets in his debut on Sunday. Uh, but either way, um, nah, that's probably a game I stay away from in terms of the lean. <laughs> Trubisky versus Flacco, Trubisky versus Wilson. What are we doing? I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to find a way if Brian Hoyer's playing quarterback for the Patriots. I'm definitely going to find a way to get the Packers down uh, to probably five and a half and, and parlay them with something. Uh, like I said, I'm leaning the Rams on Monday night. I'm probably going to lean for the Bears, um, you know, on the road against the Giants, you know, maybe get them up to seven and a half and get the under going there. That's another one where you can't, you, you just, you rationally can't explain how there's going to be points in that one. <laughs> and then, and then Browns Falcons um, is another good spot for maybe a Browns, you know, get them up to like plus three and a half. If you, uh, if you think maybe they're, you know, you don't trust them as, as a one and a half point favorite as basically a pick them but you don't think the Falcons are, are a team that can blow people out, especially with how good the Browns running game is. You know, the sad part is that the only way to rationally expect 45 plus points in the bears giants game is for their quarterbacks to throw pick sixes or big time turnovers. And, you know, it, it's sad, but that's actually true and actually possible for that to be the reason why either of these teams score more than 20 points. Like that's the only way. It's the only way. Oh my God. All right, Pat, that was great stuff as always previewing week four recap in week three as we do we talked about our teams that saved themselves in week three teams that need saving and now we're ready for week four baby another week in the books it's what we do we're out here every single week picks coming on friday should be another good week for the boys hopefully pat any last words any plugs no plugs man just uh hit me up on twitter at pat boyle 44 i'll be doing some updates this weekend at the fan and cbs so listen to me for the top of the hour on the fan bottom of the hour on cbs and keep listening to my boy Petey kennedy peter kennedy here on subway sports talk shout out DraftKings. uh shout out your fellas at raycon right oh hell yeah why not yeah so yeah so you know this you do a great job as always man that the graphics getting the picks out making them easy to follow making making them easy to keep up with seeing how we're doing you're killing it brother so keep it up yeah, and hopefully this week I'll pick some winners for us to post the videos. <laughs> yeah, the, well, the picks the picks came around. You know, we want to combine, what, nine and six this week all total. Yeah. I got to pick up the slack individually. But, 
uh, yeah, I think we just, <laughs> I gotta, I'll let you know which I think which pick is my favorite so you can post a video of it. Yeah, that's right. That's and I, I I screwed myself over as well. So maybe we'll do a better job with that this week. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's all we got. Thank you for listening as always. Um, shout out to Raycon, shout out to DraftKings, as Pat said. But that's Subway Sports Talk, y'all. Pete Kennedy, Pat Boyle. Thanks for listening. As always, don't forget to subscribe and review on your podcast app and subscribe to the notification bell on YouTube. Don't be afraid to leave a comment on YouTube as well. Helps us out a ton, as well as at Subway Sports Talk on all the social medias. Give us a follow. Give us some shout outs. Give us some comments. We appreciate all that stuff and helps us grow this thing. That's what we're trying to do. So appreciate y'all. Have a great week. We'll talk to you in a couple days with some NFL picks. Cheers.